0: How many of you got to be at the big Easter egg hunt yesterday, show of hands? Yeah, lots of you, good job. How many of you, show of hands, got to serve at the Easter egg hunt yesterday? Yeah, give those guys a hand, would you? Way to go. Thanks for pulling that off. It was a record-setting egg hunt in lots of ways, especially in the realm of traffic and parking. How about that? I heard uh, stories of traffic literally being backed up all the way to Oak on Rouse, and it was just a crawl all the way from there up to the golf course. So that's kind of fun, uh, unless you're stuck in one of those cars in the crawl on the way to the golf course, right? And so we're, we're learning and we're figuring out where we can have this thing, and so we'll just get better, and we'd like to have it up on the campus next year, so if you know anyone, that'd be cool. Did you hear about the chicken who decided to lay an egg out on the interstate? Did you hear this one? Well, the rooster was helping the chicken kind of figure it out, and the rooster said to the chicken, here's how you do it. You lay it on the line and you do it in a hurry, right? And so that's what I hope to do here today. Not lay an egg. To lay it on the line and do it in a hurry part, right? And so it's Easter, right? It's Easter. But so what? so what? It's Easter. Just another day, right? So what? It's Easter. And don't you just love so what kinds of questions? If you've got kids, or even if you just hang around with kids uh, a little bit, you hear the so what questions an awful lot, don't you? Like, uh, hurry up, we're going to be late for school. And your kid looks at you and says, so what? (laughs) Right? And then you get to have this little teachable moment about the importance of being punctual, especially to school and the long-term consequences if you're late for everything in your life, right? How about this one? Hey, your room's a mess. So what? It's like, it's my room, right? And that's when you as a parent get to step in and say, actually, it's my room and I let you live in it. (laughs) As long as you're living in my room, you're going to keep it clean. So what? What about this one? I don't have 150 bucks to buy you that pair of jeans. kid looks at you. So what? You've got one of those little plastic cards, right? You swipe and everything's good. So what? Now kids, they ask so what questions almost instinctively, don't they? They're constantly questioning everything. So what? Now, I'll give you this. Sometimes their so what questions are meant to be disrespectful. But lots of times their so what questions come out of a genuine inquisitiveness of how the world works and why it works that way. But there's this tragic transition that unfolds as we grow from childhood into adulthood. Because see, the older we get, the less inquisitive we get. We reach this certain plateau, this certain point in our lives where we think we've got it all figured out and we no longer need to ask the so what kinds of questions. And what that transition means for us is that some days we don't have a clue as to why it is that we're doing what we're doing. We're just going through the motions. We're just rolling along, stuck in the same old rut, accepting the same old status quo without even so much as a so what kind of question. And so along rolls Easter. Here it is. Another Easter. And lots and lots of us, we have these Easter traditions, right? Easter plans, Easter routines. And we set about those routines and plans and traditions and For some of us, it's new outfits or Easter baskets or brunch plans, a couple of stop-offs at a couple of egg hunts in town, maybe even a trip to church as a family. We have our plans. We have our agenda. And we roll right along without even a clue as to why it is that we're doing what we're doing. We're just going through these motions. We're just celebrating Easter. We're dressing up and we're going to church and we're going to brunch and we're hunting eggs. And we do all of that because, well, that's what we do. It's what we do. And I'm convinced that if we stopped all of that for just a moment and we would back up and revert to that youthful inquisitiveness, back to the days when you just couldn't get enough answers, and if we asked the question, it's Easter, so what? That the answers that we uncover could and would actually change our lives, could and would actually change our forever trajectory even. Now, on the surface, every one of us in this room knows what Easter is about, right? We all know the events of the week preceding Easter. Last Sunday, we call it Palm Sunday in the church world. That was the day we commemorate Jesus riding into Jerusalem on that donkey, a colt of a donkey, as a matter of fact. And on that day, he was welcomed as the coming Messiah, Right? On about Tuesday or Wednesday, Judas, who is one of Jesus' closest followers, he agrees to betray the Christ. He agrees to sell Jesus out. On Thursday of that week, Jesus and his disciples, his followers, they took part in what we commonly refer to as the Last Supper. And that night, they had an additional invited guest named Leonardo da Vinci who joined them. And they posed while Leonardo painted the whole thing so it would be forever captured on canvas so we would know exactly what it was like. Not really. Leonardo was not actually there, just for clarity's sake. But they did really have the Last Supper on Thursday evening. Later on that same night, Jesus went out to a place. It was a garden called Gethsemane, and he struggled with his father in prayer. Just a little while later, Jesus was betrayed by Judas. And then he was arrested. On Friday, Jesus was tried by both Jewish and Roman authorities and then was disowned by Peter, another of his closest followers. And then later on Friday, Jesus was crucified and he was buried. And on Sunday, today, this morning, he rose from the dead. And Easter is the celebration of Jesus rising from the dead Death could not keep him. He lives. And while we certainly know about all that stuff, we know about those events, the events of the week that we typically call the Passion Week, we know the history of those events, and they are all historically verifiable events, incidentally. Every one of them. But still, so what? So what about all the events of the Passion Week? So what that Jesus endured All of that. So what that Jesus took the beating? So what that Jesus was nailed to a cross? So what that Jesus died on that cross? So what that Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday? So what? And the first answer to the it's Easter so what question is this. Jesus died and Jesus rose from the dead to bring us home to God. Get that to bring us home to God. Look at 1 Peter 3:18 if you would from the Bible. For Christ also died for sins once for all the just for the unjust so that he might bring us to God. See all of us, every single one of us and every single person on planet earth were made to live at home with God. In Eden, we see how it was that God intended our relationship with him to look like. Adam and Eve enjoyed every moment of living at home with God in intimate friendship with him. No rituals, no ceremonies, no religiosity, just a pure and loving relationship between God and the precious people whom he had created. They were unhindered by guilt and fear. They delighted in God. He delighted in them. But that only lasted for a season, didn't it? Because at the fall of humanity, that's what we call it, that's when sin entered the human race. The fall of humanity was our way of saying to God, look, we know that we were made for living at home with you in your continual and abiding presence, but get this, God, we'd rather make our own home. We'd rather go our own way. We'd rather do our own thing. And so for thousands upon thousands of years now, human beings have been moving out on God haven't we? Moving away from the home that God intended for us to live in with him. We've been moving out and we've been building our own homes, going our own way, doing our own thing. But see, all of our efforts to be about living independently away from God, they've not been going very well, have they? Dr. Phil's question is quite appropriate. So how's that been working for you? How's that been working for you? And God knew, see, that we wouldn't be able to scratch, claw, or earn our way back home to him. And so if there was going to be a way home, God was going to have to open up the way home, and he did. He just did. God sent his one and his only son, Jesus Christ, down from heaven, leaving the glory of heaven behind to bring us, all of us, home to God. To bring us home to the way that we were made to live with God. And some of us, we sit in a room like this and we hear things like that and we go, oh Brian, that all sounds very nice. But this independent living project that I've been working on, living independently from God, living away from the home that God intended me to live in, it's taken me to some seedy and shady places, spiritually and otherwise. You don't know where I've been living. Some of you say, I'm not sure that Jesus would come to where I've been living, to bring me anywhere, let alone home to God. But I want to be real direct. If you said that, if you say that, if you think that, you'd just be wrong. You'd just be wrong. Because see, God loves us, all of us, you included, so incredibly much that he'd send Jesus, get this, anywhere to bring any of us, home to God. Look at where one man writes, God came to get him and bring him home from Psalm 40, verse 2. He lifted me out. Look at where he had made his home. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. That's where this guy's independent living project took him, to the pit of despair, to the mud and to the mire. And some of us, as we sit in this room today, that's exactly where we've been living life spiritually and otherwise, in the pit of despair, wallowing in the mud and in the mire, and get this, for you, the answer to the it's Easter so what question is that no matter how far away from God it is that you've been living, Jesus died and Jesus rose from the dead to bring you home to him. To bring you home. No matter how far from God you think you've been living. To bring you home to him. And the second answer to the it's Easter so what question is this. Jesus died and Jesus rose from the dead to bring us home to God but then there's a so that. So that we might be active participants in bringing his kingdom to the people we're with every single day. The people we're rubbing shoulders with every single day. Because see, while Easter is certainly all about all of us being home in relationship with God, it's not only about us being at home in relationship with God. This Easter deal, as much as it's about anything else, it's about you and I, all of us, bringing the hope of Easter to every person on the planet. The people who are not sitting in this room today. How many people do we know? How many people do we work with? How many people do we go to school with? How many people are we neighbors with who simply feel trapped by their routines, trapped by their circumstances, and all of that trapping causes them to live quite a hopeless existence? This weekend, this Easter deal, is a celebration of the fact that God, in raising Jesus Christ from the dead, is saying there's still hope for humankind, there's still hope for individuals. The risen living Christ stands and exclaims, there is still hope. Hope is not lost. I read the story of quite a cool painting a while back. It's a painting in which a character named Faust, who is the protagonist of that famous German legend, is playing chess with the devil for his soul, contending in a chess game for his soul. And the character Faust only has a few pieces left on the board and appears to be checkmated. His countenance in the painting reveals a sense of doom. The devil sitting opposite of Faust seems to be very much in charge of everything in the scene, has a sort of smug glee painted upon his face. And through the years, people would come into that art gallery where that quite famous painting hung, look up at it and instantly recognize the hopelessness of the situation. Countless numbers of gallery patrons would go away from viewing that painting feeling to some degree that the artist had captured their very own personal situation in oil on canvas and hung it in an art gallery for all to see. But one day along came a man to that gallery, a visitor to the gallery where that painting was hanging, and he was a great chess master. And he stood staring on that painting for hours and hours, looking just at the chessboard. Finally, after many hours of staring at that chessboard and that painting, with a shout that disturbed everyone across the whole gallery, the chess master exclaimed, It's a lie. The king and the knight still have moves left. It's a lie. And see, that is precisely what it is for us to bring the kingdom of God to the people who we are with every day. Because so many people are standing back and so many people are looking on their lives and so many people are looking on our world and it looks to them like they've been checkmated, that our world's been checkmated. But Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom God raised from the dead on that first Easter, stands and looks at those same lives and stands and looks at this same world and says, it's a lie. You still have moves left. You still have moves left. And we who have the privilege of following Jesus Christ get to be the ones who are his mouthpiece, communicating that truth to every single person on the planet. And Jesus left some instructions to us before he left the planet. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus puts it this way, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And you and I seeking the kingdom of God above all else means that we give our very lives to telling every single person we know that they've still got moves left. That hope is not lost. Because this Easter deal means hope for everyone. Easter is all about a brand new future, isn't it? Easter means that life is not at all a dead-end street or a no-way-out situation. But that requires something of us. It requires that we actually live our lives in such a way that God's kingdom is more important than our own kingdom that God's kingdom is more important than our own kingdom. And that's not easy. It is incredibly hard work because the world has been telling us since we were very little that we were made to have our very own kingdom. Just think back to when you were younger and you would sit in the back seat of the car and if you had siblings, you would all sort of pile in back there and then you would all individually carve off your very own kingdom of the back seat of the car, wouldn't you, right? This is my little kingdom. My family's car was this Oldsmobile, and it had this sort of blue velour interior. It was luscious; it just sort of sunk into it, and this dark navy blue interior, and then it had this light blue piping on the seats and up the. It was perfect. You just delineated my little kingdom right here. My brother was over there, and I, my sister, wasn't along yet. So here we were, this little space in between, kind of no man's land in the middle, right? And you'd actually, well, you remember this, you'd actually wage war against your siblings in the back seat. You would send an appendage, a scout over into his or her territory, and you'd try to crowd them out and take more land than was supposed to be yours, and they would do the same to you, and there'd be this tussling and mayhem and tomfoolery in the back seat, right? You remember. And dad would let this go on for a little while, right? Right? Uh, but whose kingdom does dad think the car is? (laughs) It's his. Big Daddy is king of the car, and he doesn't like tussling in the back seat, and so he'd let it go on for a little while, and then he'd have enough of that. And he would say this, do you want me to come back there? (laughs) Right? And you had this game figured out because you're like, yeah, right, Dad. Dad. We're going 80 down the interstate and you're just going to set the cruise control and just saunter on back and sort of take care of business back here. No. You're smart. You know how it works. But Dad's pretty smart too. And he knows that while he certainly can't go personally back there, he can send his ambassador. He has an agent, sort of a secretary of state named Mr. Hand. And so Mr. Hand goes fishing around back there like a snake trying to grab one of your appendages. Right, And you'd hunker up in the corner, you could sort of tuck up, right? Mr. Hands groping around, ah, can't get me. But dad was the master of his kingdom, wasn't he? He knew exactly what it took to get you within his reach. At 80 miles an hour, just a little tap on the brake and whoop, you're out and wham! <laughs> Busted. Nailed. But this life you see that we're all living day in and day out right here, right now is not at all about the construction of our own little kingdom. This life we are living right here and right now is all about seeking and building and watch this and bringing God's kingdom above all else. Bringing God's kingdom above all else. Get this, right over the top of our own little kingdoms. Kind of like a steamroller, right over the top of our own little kingdoms. And so you ask the question, what does seeking the kingdom of God above all else look like? Well, it's a little messy. To be real honest, sometimes it's a lot messy. Because seeking the kingdom of God above all else actually looks like us getting up next to the flunk outs and the drop outs and the burnouts, The broke and the broken, the drug heads and the HIV positive and the disease ridden and the brain damaged and the incurably ill and the barren and the pregnant too many times or, or just the one who's pregnant at the wrong time. The overemployed, the underemployed, the unemployed, the unemployable getting up next to them. The swindled and the shoved aside and the replaced and the parents with children who are living in the street and children with parents not dying in the rest home, the lonely and the incompetent and the emotionally starved and the emotionally dead even. Getting up next to, watch this, the murderers and getting up next to the brutal and getting up next to the bigoted and the drug lords and the pornographers and the pornography addicted. Getting up next to the war criminals and the terrorists even up next to the perverted and the filthy and the rich, getting up next to those who rob the aged and those who rob the weak, getting up next to the cheat and the liar and the bloodsucker and the vengeful and communicating to them, the people we rub shoulders with every single moment of every single day, and communicating to them that they've still got moves left. That they've still got moves left. That God's forgiveness knows absolutely no limits, no bounds. Are you going to them? Are you going to them? Are you going to the people who you rub shoulders with every single day and communicating to them with everything that you've got that because of God's grace and because of Jesus' death and because of Jesus' rising, that they've still got moves left? Or are you just sitting safely at home building your own little kingdom? Brick by brick, dollar by dollar, inch by inch. It's Easter. So what? But see, when we press in and when we ask and when we answer the so what questions of Easter, we actually come to a place of uncovering the truth that those answers can entirely change the course of our existence because it's true that Jesus died and Jesus rose from the dead to bring us home to God, and Jesus died and Jesus rose from the dead to bring us home to God with a purpose so that we might be active participants in bringing his kingdom to the people we're with every single day. Will you let those truths change you? Will you let those truths change you? I hope you will. The band's going to come and they're going to begin in just a few moments to lead us in worship that we're going to close our service with today. And you were all handed a black piece of paper when you came in. I invite you to pull it out now if you would please. If you didn't get one you can use the card in the chair pocket in front of you. It'll work fine. And see, the truth is that every single one of us, we have stuff that we carry with us that limits our ability to let those truths of Easter actually change us. We all have some barrier that stands in the way of those truths becoming part of who we are and part of what we do and part of how we roll. And maybe you're a Christian and you just cannot get past putting God's kingdom ahead of your own. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're a Christian and your barrier to putting God's kingdom ahead of your own is that you just don't think that some people out there actually deserve God's grace, that some people out there just don't deserve God's forgiveness after everything they've done, they just don't deserve it. That's your barrier. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're here today and you've never bought into God sending His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die so that we could be brought home to Him. You've just never bought it. Maybe that's because of a past experience with Christians or a Christian, maybe with the church or the church or whatever it is. You've just never bought into it. But I'm going to invite you in the next few moments to think on that. What's the barrier that's keeping you from letting the answers to the it's Easter so what question actually transform and change your life? And I'm going to ask you to write the answer to that question down on that black piece of paper. It's black. Nobody can see what you write on there. Just between you and God. What's your barrier? And then after you've written it on there, I'm going to ask you to step out on a limb. A ways out on a limb, even. And you're welcome to take a pass on this. I want you to know that. But I'm going to ask you to step out on a limb here today. And after you've written that barrier down, as the band is leading us in some songs... I'm going to invite you to actually file right up here to the front of the room and lay that barrier, whatever it is you've written on there, at the cross of Jesus Christ, at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's a symbolic act. It's no small thing. Don't take this lightly because as you lay that at the foot of the cross, you're actually surrendering that barrier to God. You're actually inviting God to go to work on your heart in that very place, whatever it is that you've written on here. You're inviting him to speak into your soul on that very subject matter and I believe that he will speak to you. Go out on a limb. Write down that barrier and then file right up here and surrender it to God and invite him in and invite him to speak into you and Begin to change you and just give God a chance with that barrier. So do whatever business you need to do with God on that. As we're singing, just invite you whenever you're ready. This is on your time and we have plenty of time to file right up here and drop it at the foot of the cross. I invite you to come up these middle aisles and go back down the outside aisles. Up the middle, down the side aisles. Just move out and move forward whenever it is you're ready. Let's get about that together. You included a second chance at life the way he intended life to be lived, through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And when you enter into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, you're not ever the same. You're not ever the same. In an instant, you are forgiven. In an instant, you are adopted. In an instant, you are privileged to spend eternity with God, not just in heaven someday, but starting right here, starting right now. And if that's you, you can move into a relationship with God by praying along with me a prayer that goes something like this, right where you're standing. God, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to make the way for me to have a relationship with you. God, I know that I'm the one that moved out on you. I know that I'm the one who's sinned in ways that I shouldn't have. I did that. But today, God, I realize that you are perfect and that you are holy and that that sin has caused a forever separation. God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross to bridge that chasm, to pay the penalty for the sin, to open a way for me to live in relationship with you. And so I ask you by Jesus' death on the cross that you would forgive me and that you would send Jesus to live inside of me. That God, today you would become my friend. That today, God, you would start to change me. That today, God, you would begin to clean my life up, please. prayed with me just then to give your life to Jesus Christ, that's the most important, biggest decision of your whole life, nothing matters more, nothing carries more weight, nothing is more momentous than that decision right there and it's such a big deal that around here we actually ask people to tell us when they made that decision, nobody's going to embarrass you in any way, I'm the only person looking around this room right now, every head is bowed and every eye is closed prayed with me just then, would you be so bold as to slip your hand way up high and just make eye contact with me and say, yes, I stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ today. Just slip your hand up and make eye contact with me. Just make sure I catch your eye if you would. Right there. Way to go. God is changing you and you too. Just make sure I catch your eye if you would, please. There, way to go right now God is changing you and he's making you all new there be any others I want to miss you and you in the back both of you right there I see you both of you life is all new for you starting right now never the same God we're overwhelmed at your goodness to us especially your goodness to us through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you. We pledge, God, to live our lives in such a way that the world knows that they've got moves left, that we're not just keeping this to ourselves, but that we're bringing your kingdom ahead of our own. We're living your truth, God. Fuel us for that journey and give us courage. It's not easy. you so much for the people in this room today whose life will never be the same who've stepped across the line of faith with you who've made a decision to put your kingdom ahead of theirs God bless and honor their choice today protect them and send them and keep them energize their journey with you God please we love you and we worship you And we praise the one who is risen today. And everyone said,